Greetings and salutations, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Voices That Cook. And this is a show where I, William Nunn, is the host of the show who is a voice actor who likes to cook. And I talk to other people who like to do the thing behind the microphone, which is voice act and also cook. And I will say my guest today is someone very interesting where he has had some voice work before, but mainly this is a guy that I really wanted to bring in that mainly handles things from the sound engineering aspects of stuff. And I'm really thrilled to have my friend Randy Greer on the show. You handsome son of a bitch. How are you today? <laughs> I'm doing very well. Thanks for asking, Will. It's uh, it's nice to be here. How you doing? You are you are most welcome. And no, that w- I I think you have a wonderful mother. I have never met met her, so do not think that phrase was a meanie. I was. <laughs> if any of you know Randy, you know that he is uh he is a cool dude. He is a uh, very talented dude behind the. Uh, We'll call it. We'll call it where, like, uh, you know, there's there's booths where we can record, and then there's someone else in another spot that has to uh, handle everything to make us sound better. And one day, one day, I hope to work with you on something along those lines, my friend, and it will happen. Um, but I am very thrilled to have you here, not only just because um, we've become friends and I enjoy talking to you, but. I've also seen the amazing food that you've put together, and I'm like, yeah, we we, we gotta we gotta talk. <laughs> yeah, we gotta talk food, man. I love food. I love eating it. I love making it. So it just makes sense. Yes, yes, yes. So I guess I would really would like to start off the show with, um, what got you interested in in basically your field in the world of audio? Sure, that's a it's such a potentially open ended bit of information there. Um, yeah, I think it actually started for me more on the music side of things. I've always enjoyed music. I've always wanted to make music, uh, do it in a professional capacity. And through like education after high school, even at the end of high school, I started pursuing just learning music, um, which meant I had to learn how to play more instruments, which was like pulling teeth for me. But um, to write music, you have to learn how to play music, whatever whatever route you take. So I ended up doing that in college. And classical music is really tough. And the more I learned it, the more I realized like this felt a little bit off for the approach I wanted, or at least for the final destination I wanted, which was to work in interactive audio or games like doing music. So I started looking into other degree options and found out like there are lots of degree options for game audio production, things like that. And that's kind of what kicked everything off into engineering and general production. And then from there, it was just about kind of marketing myself, which is what I've been doing for the last couple of years. Very nice. Very nice. And you've really come a long way with it where you've you've gotten to do some work on some some video games like Chris Tales. Um What's it been like to be able to go from when you got started to be able to work on a major project like that? Yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty surreal for me because uh, I've been in like survival mode or like notice me mode for so long. And when you're like an independent contractor or just freelance, you kind of have to be that way. And people just won't look at you until you have something notable, but it's hard to get something notable until people are looking at you. So I started making my own projects like audio dramas and, um, you know, that got me like a little bit of traction, but from there I just started hanging out with voice actors. Voice actors are fun people. They're talkative. And, uh, and that's actually what got me like the job 
in Chris Tales was I was referred by a voice actor to the production manager, uh, you know, on Chris Tales. And the voice actor uh, who referred me, I'd never actually worked with them before, but they had been, uh, I think AJ Beckles referred me to them a few times for their demo. And then they just liked what I was making and said like, yeah, we want you on this project. So I kind of just got in for, for getting along with people. <clears throat> Sometimes that's all it takes. Just being a good person to someone else can lead to cool opportunities. I mean, the fact that um, the fact that uh, I've had some of the opportunities I've had, mainly from being friends with some some people I've collaborated with or just chatted with, it led to um, me being involved in things I didn't think I'd ever be a part of, and it's been a really surreal experience to go through all that. And I'm sure it has been for you as well. And also just the sheer fact that speaking of demos, you also have made some really strong demos for voice actors. Uh, one of which in particular, I really loved listening to was Marissa Duran's demo. That was a really well put together demo. Good, sir. Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, working with Marissa was really cool. Like pretty much every actor that I've worked with is just a super talented actor and like it blows me away every time I make their demos just how well they perform because I get their voices before there's all the sound effects and music to it so it's really about imagination and make-believe and like if you hear it just their voices first like you really do see how much they bring it to life and I just kind of get to embellish that a little bit it's it's a really cool thing to be part of what would you say for anyone who is uh thinking about wanting to get their very first demo which I'm in that mindset right now. Um, what would you say would be like um, maybe some good advice for anyone who's looking to get their first demo put together and is thinking about options and just, you know, what can make them stand out if they're wanting to, you know, let that demo help them with getting work as a voice actor? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and again, well, not again, I haven't stated this yet, but just to be clear, because I'm not a voice actor this bit of input is coming from an engineer. So, yes. uh, you know, take it with a grain of salt and, and use that context in your thought process here. Uh, but if you're, if you're listening and, and that's an important thing on your mind, um, don't be afraid to start small and don't be afraid to, I guess, keep the state of mind that your ability is going to change like throughout your career and your career is going to like blossom, you know? So like, um, I've worked with voice actors who just got into voice acting and started with like the highest production value demo that they could start with. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. That that can definitely help you out. And those voice actors have gotten some high quality work from the get go, but your voice is going to change and your abilities are going to change. So, you know, how long is it going to take until that demo is no longer a representation of you? And you're going to need a new demo and then a new investment. So it is important to plan in the long run. Um, and demos aren't, they're not always cheap. Um, you know, you can find what you need sometimes at a lower price, but over time that investment adds up. And I would say don't be in a hurry because it's going to change and you're going to need a new one before you know it. Very wise words, good sir. I would definitely agree with that, especially with uh, what I've been working on so far, which 
Uh, hope y'all get to hear that in the near future. That's been a really fun experience uh, working on my very first demo. So, um, and I am uh, definitely hoping that uh, whenever I need something that will showcase myself better, I will. Uh, you, you are definitely someone I will want to talk to when we get to that point. Um, I awesome. know you're busy. I know you're busy right now with other people's demos, um, but. There's a reason why, because you are very good at what you do. Um, Thanks, Will. You're welcome, good sir. So I guess I could also mention that um, you had also mentioned you had worked on uh, audio dramas. In fact, you had worked on one particular project called Black Star. Would you like to uh, tell our listeners a little bit about that project and what that was like <laughs> for you as a as a creative in this case? Yeah, sure. Uh, this will be my shameless plug here. Thank you. Um, yeah, so Blackstar was originally my way of creative writing uh, before I even knew what audio dramas were. I had a very hard time out of college feeling like I was even looked at or considered for professional jobs in audio, uh, particularly in like game audio. It's a very saturated and competitive field for any position, really. And... Uh, I knew it was taking me longer than I wanted to, you know, find that kind of work. I wasn't getting anything and I wasn't hearing anything back from people. So I just decided I wanted to keep my skills sharp. I wanted something that would display my abilities. Um, and I also wanted something that I could showcase, you know, functionally as maybe like a, a placeholder for my, a demo for myself, I guess, if you will. So yeah, I just started making my own story and bringing it to life. And that was Black Star to, it's a science fiction audio drama and um, a lot of audio drama, uh, a lot of audio dramas tend to use narration in tandem with the production. And I opted not to do that. I just, I didn't know that that was an option and I made up my mind already that I didn't want to use that. So I just started making sound effects, getting free sound effects and making my own out of those and then doing music, um, hiring actors from like local feeders and then after the first production is when I kind of discovered like voice actor Twitter. <laughs> so then uh, by the time I made like my second and third installments to that universe, you know, I had access to a lot of really good talent and it really helped me network and open up some cool doors that got me where I'm at now. That's really awesome, dude. I, uh, I think my first, uh, well, I think I've mentioned this on the show, um, that my first four-way into audio dramas was making uh, Rick and Morty f uh, audio dramas that were obviously fan-made. They weren't with Adult Swim or Justin Roiland or anything, but they were a fun way of being able to experience what it's like to create content like that. And I do not have, even though I am a bass player, I do not have the skills or patience with uh, making music like that unless I were to have my own synthesizer, which one day I will. Um, but I also was just really a huge fan of how you can make something that would be something on the scale of a blockbuster and you wouldn't need to worry about actually needing to get vehicles and explosions and all this stuff to happen in front of you. You could literally create it or find the stuff that would make it come to life on the internet and be able to uh, use that to bring your big budget storyline to life 
without actually having to go and blow up a real car and then go, well, <laughs> crap, that car explosion didn't look great with that lighting. Let's do it again. No, nah, you could literally just change the volume or get a different sound effect. And it's literally going to be, for me, a much easier process in creating a story than it would doing it in live action. It's just it takes the same amount of time, in my experience, to where if you want to make something as long as a movie that's an audio drama, it's probably going to take you as long as a movie <laughs> would in, in yeah. a full-fledged production. So it's just... It, there's some things that are much easier, but the but the amount of time can be the same depending on your team and who you have with you and your schedule and everything else. Which, I mean, I'm I'm catching myself at that point where I'm thinking about no, 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 don't don't write another script right now. Just don't write another. <laughs> I, I'm writing another script because uh, I like yeah, to create it happens to things. everybody, man. I like to create and sometimes someone gives me a really good idea or makes a cool suggestion or I have a fun idea for something and I say it out loud and someone else agrees and it's like, okay, I kind of want to see what happens with this. And then next thing I know, I'm seven pages in and it's just, yeah, I thought this was going to be a one-off and it's not. This might be a series. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah, and then you got all that work to do to bring it to life. Yeah. Uh but like, you know, I would I would encourage like anyone who's listening to like even you, like when you get those ideas, like flesh them out anyway, you know, even if it's mm -hmm. going to take more time than you originally thought, like that because it's like a muscle, like creativity is, I strongly believe it's a muscle. People say I'm not creative. Like, I think it's, it's just something you have to spend time doing. And like, if you don't do it, I think you can kind of get rusty with it. So I encourage mm -hmm. you like. When you get those ideas, write them down, even if they never see the light of day, you know, like keep at it. Oh, I, I spent like after I had finished the David Miscavage audio stage play, I had literally told myself, OK, you're going to take a month off or two months. It might have been two months. You're going to take two months off from putting together any other scripts because that took me a long time it took me i think i it maybe almost a year a little over a year somewhere around there maybe 13 months i don't know it took me a while and um to go from having the idea and then the final cut it, it took a long time to get there and i was just like you need you need a break for yourself just just give yourself a bit yeah. of a break and if you have any story ideas Feel free to write them down. Feel free to put them in your notes app. Feel free to let them linger. And if by the time you're ready to go back to write a script and you still think those are good ideas, use them. And I had like at least 10 ideas as I was waiting for, you know, for me to go, okay, go back to writing. And only maybe three of those ideas, maybe five have stayed. I haven't gotten rid of them. And, um, uh, and two, well, one of them I'm working on now, another one, uh, I am working on, um, in some small part, thanks to you, um, because <laughs> I don't want to spoil what it is. And, um, and then another that, um, <clears throat> and another that, um, I literally, uh, was talking with someone and I was like, ah, that actually would be fun. I'm going to see what happens. And, Oh, I feel like a sneeze is about to happen. Uh, do, 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 
oh, that was so much weaker. That was a oh, very- I was waiting for it. I was waiting for the- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It did not come. Demon Dorothy, why did it not come? I don't know. I know. It's it's fine. It's fine. Just- Ah, the sneezes should come, but they don't. Yeah, I always have to look up at the sun good. or like a bright light if I want to like force a sneeze out. It's 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 violent to my eyes, but it works. It is violent to the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, that almost makes me wonder. Like, I I I remember thinking to myself, it would be really nice to have somehow some sort of soundproof booth that would be outside. And just, you know, have wind and other things come in. And then I realized, no, wait, wind could come in. Bugs could come in. You could have a dog show up and knock it over. Like, don't do that. What's what's wrong with your brain, <laughs> William? Don't do that. Don't do that. Keep it all in a contained spot. Um, yeah, sound in a vacuum always helps. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, in fact, uh, speaking of of uh sound and such you've you've actually taught some good classes uh involving sound engineering which i got to take one of those and that was very helpful thank you so much so um i know this episode is going to be airing probably much later than the current day that we are recording but um could you foresee yourself having more classes by the end of the year or sometime in 2022 <clears throat> uh you know I had originally posted, like I've, I've taught the class twice now, the one that I think we're talking about, the one that you took, which is uh, engineer your best auditions. I've taught it twice now and it's had a really good you know, response, but it's a lot of work to like put together. And because of all the other work I have, my original intention was to wait until next year. Mm -hmm. uh, but because of like, there's still a demand for it. And because of that, um, I might, I might run it again before the end of the year. I'm undecided. I try to give like a, like a month's notice maybe. Um, but the more I work with voices and the more I hear that a lot of these voices for like professional, uh, like jobs and projects are being recorded from home, I'm starting to realize that there is still an increasing demand for like, you know, teaching this information. So I might get another one out before the end of the year. If I do, you'll be the first person to know. Wunderbar. Very, very, very good to know. And speaking of good things to know, I now want to transition and ask you, what got you started in cooking? That is a good question. Um, I want to say it was Boy Scouts. I was a Boy Scout hmm. for those of you uh, who don't know me at all. <laughs> That's most of you. But um, I actually did not know this. Yeah, yeah in, uh, in Scouts, we would go camping and on camping trips, you know, you would take turn with whatever the daily responsibilities were. So that means sometimes you were in charge of making a meal for everybody. And turns out like I really liked, I really liked cooking over a campfire. And then, um, you know, my dad was an avid cooker. So he was very involved in that process. And we'd cook things from home uh, at a young age, probably like maybe even as early as like fourth grade. And you know, just love doing it. Didn't mind doing the dishes. So I think the, uh, I think the habit of cooking kind of stuck and now I have some things that I really like to cook and eat and share with others. There you go. Do you remember what your first, uh, mealing that you made where you thought to yourself, Oh, this is, this is fun. I like doing this. Yeah. I think it was actually just breakfast. Like, uh, 
like eggs, bacon, and toast. Um, you know, like really simple stuff like scrambling an egg, uh, maybe making an omelet out of it, which is just like folding, folding that and not mixing it so much on the mm. pan. Uh, and like breakfast is and always has been one of my favorite meals. So it's something that whenever I had the chance to do it, I'll just make breakfast. I love it. There you go. Hopefully, um, hope I have not actually made my own omelet yet, but I would like to. Um, I've made many different types of egg related things, but I've never done like the full on uh, flip and fl- or have uh, the omelet the way it is and then flip it over to, you know, have ham and cheese and whatnot inside and just really engorge and enjoy every bite of that. I should at some point, because I've seen enough people do it to where I feel like I could do it. I really hope that soon, because I know I've talked about this on the show multiple times, I will hopefully have an update with you guys about uh, me finally making a pizza, because I have mentioned this mm. before, Make I want to make my own pizza crust, and I have not done it before. I finally got everything I need to make a Roman pizza, I just uh, – the only thing I'm now concerned about is just um, would, is there anything that I have at home that would be a good work surface for my flour? That's my only it's thing. It's always the work surface. With pizza, like flour gets everywhere, man. Like the the times I've made pizza crust, like it's such a hassle to like – for me, I'm being a complainer. I shouldn't be. But like it's such a hassle to clean up the flour sometimes and it makes me like have that same thought like – Find a good work surface. And I don't know if we have one here. I kind of wondered if we did or if maybe I should go back to Walmart tomorrow and just see if there's something or maybe be creative and create something. I don't know. Or I may have to uh, get it on – find a find something that would be useful on Amazon and purchase it and uh, wait for it to come out here. I don't know. Um, but I've, I mean I've seen different workspaces with pizzas before but – and, and what's nice about this recipe that I'm that I'm getting it from, uh, I don't know if any any of you listeners have ever watched any videos from Joshua Weissman. His uh, pizza recipes are wonderful, and I really feel like I could literally actually pull off the Roman pizza recipe because especially when and I've watched the video enough times to where I feel like I could probably do it. You. You put in a lot of flour in a huge bowl, which I got today, which I did not realize that the bowl actually had two bowls. So it's like, oh, <laughs> I have two big bowls now. Okay, well, that's good, I guess. Um, and put on all that flour, put in, a sh- put in uh, the amount of salt that's requested, and then uh, you would heat up some water in the microwave and get it up, get it up to 95 degrees, which... I hope the thermometer we still have can tell me whether or not it gets up to 95 degrees because you would add instant yeast into that and mix it up, let it all come to life. And once it's gotten to where it needs to do that, then add in two tablespoons of olive oil. And then all you have to do is just uh, put that in the dough and you move it around with your hand and get it to where you're, you know, kneading it and moving around till – you actually get to uh, get it to be like a shaggy ball, like a big shaggy. Like it doesn't have to look like a perfect ball at that point. And just like once it's all starting to fold together and get together and not want to leave itself, then you can wrap it in plastic wrap in that big bowl and leave it to the side. And then, and then that's when the slap and fold 
technique comes in where you got to basically smack it on your work surface, fold it over, smack it again, fold it over, smack, fold it over for like one to two minutes. And then you put it back in the bowl and let it sit with plastic wrap over it for 15 minutes. Then you do it again, the exact same thing. And then you put it back in the bowl, cover it up, and then let it sit in the fridge for 14 to 18 hours. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted a big bowl, because I know that fucker is going to get really, really big. Yeah, it's so, going to prove so big for that long. Uh, that's what the that's what the recipe calls for. And wow. I've I've seen what it looks like. And like you can smack your hand onto it. It'll just it, it, it looks like uh, it's trying to get air out and it won't because it's trapped and it can't do anything. Because there's times where I, I can't help but feel like when some people are doing things with dough on pizzas, it's like, if that pizza had a personality and a soul, I would feel very bad for it right now. Because people can <laughs> punch the dough and smack the dough. And it's just like, you can't do anything now. I have you in my grasp and I'm going to beat the shit out of you. <laughs> and then we're going to eat you. Yes. Yes. Um, And once you've quote unquote degassed it or smacked it down. I need to quit popping my fingers. Those are not mouth clicks. Those are fingers <laughs> popping because I'm moving my hands while I talk. Um then at that point you get to where um you can start to stretch out the dough in one of your baking sheets, but do add oil to that baking sheet before you put the pizza on. And you just try to stretch it out as wide as you can. And then you put another baking sheet, which I got, which I'm very glad I got two of them because I felt like I needed two bigger baking sheets that would be able to properly cover up the dough. And uh, then you let that rise in room temperature for two hours. And then after those two hours, you can either um, get a sauce that you have made or a sauce that's been pre-made and put that on top. And I figured since I was already spending some dough on this i was like yeah i'll just get i'll just get my uh rio's uh tomato sauce garlic version roasted garlic version it is very delicious um <clears throat> i love using it for pastas and other other pizzas that already had other prepared crusts it's a very good sauce if you need to just have something available r a o apostrophe s in case i'm pronouncing it wrong um and then you would like layer that over it. And I've got a bunch of mozzarella cheese. I've got some pepperonis and just put that in a 500 degree oven and let it sit for 20 to 25 minutes uncovered and take it out. And oh, I'm going to be so scared and delighted when I see that come out of the oven. Oh, and it's also recommended to not take a bite until maybe 20 minutes after it's gotten out of the oven because you don't want to burn your mouth. Yeah, that sauce is going to be like molten lava on the roof of your mouth. Mm-hmm. But I am very, now, very excited to try it. I have a question. I've heard you talk about Roman pizza a few times. Mm-hmm. Now, as a pizza connoisseur, I'm a little bit embarrassed to not uh, off the top of my head know the difference uh, between a Roman pizza and, say, any other pizza. Okay. Have you ever been to Jet's Pizza? No. Okay. Um, have you ever seen those big, thick, square pizzas? Like those box yes. pizzas? They're kind of like that. 
Okay. They're, they're, that sounds more, fantastic. They're more of those rectangular shaped pizzas that um, would be very good for feeding a whole family, basically. And I thought that would or be- Or the two of us. Or the two of us, that's for sure. <laughs> and I would like to think that um, it would be much easier pizza to start off with because because with the normal fully circular pizzas, you got to have some measurement correct with it. And make sure it's going to do what you need it to do, which luckily the slap and fold thing and all that, that's still part of it from the recipe I saw from Joshua. The difference was – the biggest difference was to me besides obviously you got to measure it out is that he also has this really awesome looking but probably expensive uh, pizza oven that you could have outside and has fire and wood and you can use a pizza peel to – uh, put the pizza inside and heat it in there for a couple of minutes. And then you turn it over and let it heat on the other side for a couple of minutes. And then um, not turn it over, like flipping it over, but you just move it to where like uh, there's going to be a part of that pizza is going to be closer to the fire. You'll want it close to that fire. And then you'll want the other side of the pizza to be closer to that fire by just turning it around. Um, so then you do that and you take it out and it just looks really, really gorgeous. And I'm like, I can't afford that right now. I could probably <laughs> make a pizza like that in my oven, but it wouldn't be as like, I'm starting to notice that there is a difference when you make food like that. Um, like using a different type of uh, oven or smoker or something, which I really need a smoker. I really want one real bad. Oh, man. Can you imagine a smoked pizza like cooked mm-hmm. well? Mm-hmm. That would be good. <laughs> I've oh, had really smoked good. mozzarella on a pizza and <gasps> that alone made Yeah, it's so good. <gasps> <laughs> oh dear. That's that sounds really fucking good. I mm, William, don't, 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 don't. You still have an episode to record. Do not go down to the kitchen right now. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm back to sanity now. So Okay. Yeah, we've got pizzas and all this stuff. Now, here's actually a fun question for you. What are your preferred pizza toppings? Hmm. Okay. Um, you know, as much as I enjoy meat on my pizza, you know, and I'm I'm assuming we're forgoing the the given cheese and sauce here. Um, I think I like bell peppers. Like bell peppers are probably like the most enjoyed topping on a pizza for me. Um, and then maybe like. Maybe olives and then pepperoni. Um, but yeah, yeah, like anything goes for me. Uh, I'm not thrilled usually about artichoke or pineapple, but I will eat them and appreciate them. Um, but yeah, if if I get a combination pizza, I'm eating everything on it. I have I have always had weird experiences with artichoke, so I can't really do it. Um, uh-huh. But I have I have recently learned that. Um, I like onions and mushrooms on pizza. It's it's really nice to have that on there. And of course, pepperoni, uh, chicken, basil. Those are wonderful additions there. And usually whenever I make pizza what, with already prepared crusts, I usually always season it with basil and oregano, garlic, and parsley just because it gives it a wonderful looking color. Um, I'm, I am considering doing that for this pizza as well. Um, but I'm also like wondering if there's any other seasonings I could probably add. And I don't – there's a small part of me that would be willing to 
maybe get some mushrooms and tie it in there. But I'm also like, dude, this is your first pizza. Just go simple. Just go simple. <laughs> and if you do a good job with this, then next time you can add in mushrooms, onions, and chicken and other stuff to uh, see how all that goes. This usually sometimes what I like to do if I'm really nervous about making something, and I feel a lot less nervous about it now because um, – this has been quite a week in the world of William Nunn, and I am—I uh, feel ready to make a pizza, uh, especially now that we are in. Oh gosh, we are currently recording during Dune Week, and I am yes. super freaking excited to go see Dune on Thursday. That's gonna be awesome. I'm gonna—I'm gonna have to see it from home, but on the plus side, I will be able to make a bunch of food and pig out on the couch while I watch it at home. You know we're going to have to do a HBO Max watch party for it, right? That's what I was thinking. I messaged you about it earlier. I was like, hey, when are you going to see Dune? Because I was like, maybe we'll watch it. Watch party. I mean, I'm going to experience my first time in IMAX because I've been waiting two years for this movie. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. Ever, ever since, uh, well, yeah, it's been it's literally been almost a little over two years because... I I don't know if I've ever mentioned my origins with Dune as far as like where where I got started as far as my fandom is concerned uh in the show before. And if I have, you get to hear it again. Uh <laughs> so a friend of mine let me borrow the David Lynch Dune movie cuz I had legitimately never heard of Dune before and I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I love science fiction and I there's just things about the the franchise that I guess I never it stuff never clicked with me that like that was from Dune or that was from Dune or this was tying into Dune. Um, maybe someone was doing a reference toward Dune. I just didn't know at the time, but I was curious to see the movie. I like Patrick Stewart a lot, so I was like, okay, he's in it. I'll I'll see it. And then seeing like all these other people like Max von Sydow and the grandfather from Beer Fest and Kyle McLaughlin and all these people and just being interested in seeing how this would turn out. And it was such a weird, bizarre movie, but I, I liked the mythology. I liked the sandworms a hell of a lot. I thought the music was good, but there was definitely some head scratching moments that, that were happening throughout the movie for me, but I was still quite curious to see about, you know, what, what else was tying into this uh, story? And then I find out that one of my all-time favorite Iron Maiden songs, To Tame a Land, is all about Paul Atreides' Muad'Dib through the eyes of the Fremen. And I was blown away by that. Like, holy shit, I now understand the song. I know what they're talking about. And the song is even better now, knowing the context of the lyrics and feeling the epic scale that the music goes through. And that just made me go, okay, now I feel more willing to really deep dive into this. And I tried out the sci-fi uh, miniseries that came out in the 2000s. Um, I didn't watch the Children of Dune adaptation. Um, I only had access to the first, the first Dune and it was a lot more interesting and there were some surprises, but it was also really 
you could tell it was very low budget for its time as far as, you know, there were some things that like the CGI wasn't that great. The costumes were very weird. I wasn't crazy about it um, for the most part, but there were some things that were neat. And I thought, okay, one day I'm going to check out the audiobook and listen to it. And I started listening to it. I didn't continue because there were some oddities with the fact that it went from like full cast people and a narrator. And then it was a narrator being the cast. And then it went back to the voice actors returning with the narrator still being there. And it just seemed weird to me at the time. And I wish I had stuck with it because it's really not a big deal because Simon Vance is such a brilliant narrator. Um, And then Denis Villeneuve got attached to the movie. And that made me go, okay, interest has come back. Interest has definitely come back. Um, But it wasn't until later in 2019 when I finally picked up the book and read it within four months or so. And that I was I was uh, floored while reading it. I was very much grasped and I wanted to keep going. And I'm also kind of glad I saw the movie and the miniseries beforehand because there's a lot of weird terminology like Kutsetz Haderach and Bitty Jesserit and all this yeah. sort of stuff. That was just like, if I wasn't aware of some of these things, I probably would have been very confused starting out. Also, the book does have an appendix that you can go back and see what those terms mean. The audiobook does not have that, but Dune is one of those stories. In fact, really all six of Frank Herbert's Dune books, they are they are so much better when you go back and experience them the second time because there's so much that you miss the first time. Stuff that you may not have gotten a clear idea as to what Frank Herbert was alluding to, what it was setting up for future stories, questions that you didn't think were answered actually got answered. And it's really – there's just a whole lot of different ways you can look at the – especially with the first Dune that um, I'm really, really excited and curious to see how Denis Villeneuve is going to adapt the first – I'm going to expect it's going to be a little bit more than the first half of, of the first book because I have a very good idea as to where it ends, the movie, not, not the book. Mm-hmm. I know exactly where the book ends, but the movie, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I know where it will end. And if it does end where I think it will, then it will be a little bit more than the first half, but it does leave a lot of screen time to really flesh out things for part two, which please get that green lit. I hope it will because it's doing very well right now overseas. And hopefully by the time this episode comes out, we will know whether or not green part two has been green lit. And one of the ways that Warner Brothers is like, hey, we'll be willing to make a part two. If uh, more people on HBO Max watch it, but also, of course, see it in theaters. So anyone that wants to watch it on HBO Max, that's okay. But if you can or do feel comfortable seeing it in a theater, that would be fun too. And I am I am so excited to see it in IMAX. Also, one more thing. Yeah, man. Invo- one more thing involving Dune. Um, I... The not a spoiler. Anywho, <laughs> anywho, now that I'm done with that Dune tangent, um, I hope I hope I hope those of you who are listening by now have checked out the movie. And obviously, if you enjoyed it, please let me know. Um, 
I guess really the only other thing I'd like to mention to you as of right now, my friend, is what's your favorite recipe? Ah, yes. Okay. So I, I mentioned in private that I had a hard time narrowing it down. So uh, lately, I guess uh, favorite recipe, Are you, do you mean like to to consume or to make? Uh, to make. Okay, okay. Um, I don't know. I have a lot of fun making. Wait, like wait, a, wait. It's kind of a, go ahead. Let's do both. Both. Okay. Okay. Um, so to make, I've had a lot of fun making, uh, it's like, it's a shepherd's pie, but it's out of, uh, it's out of the Elder Scrolls, uh, Skyrim cookbook. Oh, nice. And it's called a goat herd's pie. And it's like, it's so filling and like the recipe yields so much, but, uh, like it's just a fun process because it's like, it's like layers. Um, you know, you have like your beef on the bottom, your vegetables on top of that. Um, and then like your potatoes over that. And it's, it's kind of like making like a little cake or a little lasagna, (laughs) but, uh, it lasts a long time. There's a lot of like really good flavors in there, but it's just really fun to make. I like baking personally. Um, and you get to bake it. So I'm happy making it. Um, as far as eating goes, it is a good dish, but like the flavor, the flavor will um, lose some of its zeal because there's so much of it. Um, so for eating, there were two recipes that I wanted to like kind of delve into here. The first one, probably the easiest. Yeah, it's pretty easy. The easiest one is going to be like street tacos. Um, and it's literally just like, you know, you get some small corn tortillas, you put them on, uh, on the cast iron, just mm-hmm. kind of get them like a little bit like heated up and browned and then, uh, you know, beef or chicken, you know, like pick your meat, whatever you want. And I'll usually get like pre-cut pieces of like steak and cook that just in some pepper. And once that's done, you just put it on the tortillas. I put hot sauce on there. I put tapatio over the beef and then I put like some shredded cheese on that. And once that's kind of melted in, um, I'll go like a glob of sour cream <laughs> and, you know, very generously. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have chopped cilantro, chopped onions, and that's the recipe. Um, to put that over the sour cream, make as many as you want, and they go so, like, they taste so good. Um, <laughs> and the uh, the other one is just a turkey melt. Um, I get this, like, loaf of, like, artisan French bread from from Costco, and it, it's, like, way more bread than any person needs, uh, which I'm <laughs> sure some of you think is blasphemy. But uh, uh, so I have to, like, make a lot of these melts, and I'll cut the, like, it's really important to cut the loaf diagonally because you will get a longer slice of bread that way. So I'll cut it diagonally, and uh, and I'll just get however much turkey I want to have. It's even better if you get some bacon. Um, Ooh. you know, cr- crisp it up and put it in there with the turkey and then I'll get like Havarti, like slices of Havarti cheese and then slices of American and I'll go Havarti, American, Havarti, American, kind of on both sides of the meat. Um, and then just to kind of embellish like the texture of the, the bread, um, I'll butter one side and then I'll put mayo on, on the other side. Uh, the mayo's, you know, going to be on the inside of the bread, just kind of keep things from getting like too dry. 
And then the butter is going to be for like that crackle and that flavor because uh, that's what's going to hit your mouth. And then uh, on the buttered side, I'll like sprinkle some garlic powder over it um, and then a little bit of seasoned salt and then some Italian seasoning. And then just put it all together, drop it on your skillet. And I have like a skillet that has like these ridges on it. So you get those grill marks and like, it's very visually pleasing and it just tastes amazing. Like both of those recipes, um, I make them for, I make them for my girlfriend and she like passes out <laughs> after eating <laughs> like either those tacos or that, that melt. And she'll just like, this is so good. And then like, as soon as the plate's clear, like she's off somewhere like snoring, like <laughs> not snoring, but you know, like she's just like out cold somewhere. And I'm like, that's how, that's how you, that's how I measure the the success of that, that meal. Um, if you can sleep after, you know, it's a good one. Uh, but those are my two favorite ones to eat for sure. Just the flavors are so satisfying. Mm-hmm. Oh, I still think birria tacos are probably my favorite to eat, even though they, they are kind of a pain in the ass to put together, but it's totally worth it. I think maybe my favorite to just make just for the sheer fun of it. Hmm. It really could be minestrone soup. Yeah. It's really fucking good. It is. And there's a little bit left over. I'm going to let my mom have that uh, while I have a uh, reheated breakfast burrito, which that was actually kind of fun to make as well. I actually got to make that over the weekend. I'll I'll tell you guys about that real quick. Um, so I had found at my local grocery store taco sausage. They didn't call it chorizo, but they called it taco sausage. So I'm, I'd be willing to say it's probably... Italian sausage with a lot of taco seasonings and other things, but it was very good, very good. And I had made a bunch of scrambled eggs. I got some frozen hash browns and I cooked those for a very long time and heated those up and made sure that they were fine because I still have yet to make hash browns the good old fashioned way. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do that at some point, just not today. And, um, (laughs) Uh, my mom got some mild salsa and uh, and also I used some cheddar cheese and I thought it would be fun to um, be able to heat the burrito on the skillet without adding any oil. Just let it kind of toast on every single side. And I was really surprised by how delicious it was, but also how it just kept everything together. Hmm. And... I tried out uh, doing a doing a uh, direction that I had found online where you could uh, wrap a burrito and, that you would put in the fridge uh, in the oven with aluminum foil covering it, and and after that time would go by, you could uh, you could eat it and it would taste kind of similar to what you would have have had before. And I thought it wasn't exactly like how it tasted before, but it was still delicious. It was still good. I had to actually heat it in the microwave for about 30 seconds just to make sure everything was uh, really warm because it was, but more so in the bottom of the burrito than the top of it. But what I ended up doing last night, thanks to her suggestion was um, I heated it in the microwave for two minutes. And then I put uh, butter on a skillet and I made sure that it melted and it got hot. And I just, toasted the burrito on each side to give it that nice golden looking crusty flavor uh, Mm. look for it. And 
Oh, it was so good. I posted pictures last yeah. night and they were, hmm. It was, it was definitely yeah, the better way. Yeah, toasted burrito, dude. That sounds deadly. That sounds so good. It was very, very good. I wish I put the salsa in the middle because I was scared that the salsa was going to leak out and it didn't, luckily. Like, yeah, it all mm. stayed together very well. But I think next time, just to make sure maybe that's a bit more in the center, that would be good. And I wish I had verde sauce. All my verde sauces had expired, so I couldn't use them. Um, mm, man. So I was like, okay, we'll use the regular mild salsa and um, the, the verde next time. But I would have it in the middle and make sure the cheese is still pretty well mixed, like – close to where the eggs and hash browns would be and the right no no no. i would have i would put in eggs then sausage on top then then uh probably then would put the cheese and salsa and then the hash browns and then i could roll everything i know i've seen people do where they'll do like the sauces on top but i don't want it to like mess with the tortilla shell and get it to where it's doing that whereas if you if if i were to let it you know cook in the middle and maybe it might spread out and get to everything else that would be really flavorful and really delicious that way i feel yeah that sounds like that sounds like it would be the way to go like because you don't want it like compromising the integrity of the tortilla that's holding mm -hmm. it all together especially if it's going to be toasted and like kind of brittle i think the middle's the way to go also I forgot one vital ingredient for the tacos, mm -hmm. limes. Like I just Ooh. cut limes into quarters and then you just squeeze those like fresh, like as the last thing, it like ties everything together, especially the cilantro and, and the beef. Um, so don't forget your limes if you're going to try that out. Good Lord. That sounds absolutely wonderful. I might I have some tonight. Like you've inspired me. Well, if you do, send me a picture. I'd love to see him. <laughs> Definitely. My good friend, Misa, thank you so much for coming on to Voices That Cook. And um, I actually do want to ask this question before I let you go. Um, even though this is called Voices That Cook, and we've mainly gone through the engineering and cooking aspects, um, what's your voice acting background? Yeah, sure. Um, mostly... Uh, just acting in my own projects when I absolutely can't find someone else to do it. I go Thanos and I'm like, I'll do it myself. Uh, but um, it gets like really complicated sometimes when you have to like voice a bunch of different characters. And uh, I guess I don't have to tell anybody, you know, I don't have to tell anybody <laughs> that because we're all like voice actors. Like, yeah, that's the job. <laughs> but um, outside of that, there's... Um, uh, I have a friend who makes a show called Aether and Dark Saga, and it's like this like medieval dark fantasy, and it's like really like gritty. Um, and he'll uh, he actually had me be like one of the main characters in in a side story, um, and it's like it's substantial work. Like I still don't think of myself as a voice actor. Like I think of myself as like almost like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, I'm not like a predator, so maybe like a sheepdog in sheep's clothing. But um, yeah, so like anytime I get to voice something, I'm reminded of how much it takes to voice act. Um, and I guess I am technically a voice actor. Like I have been paid to do it. But it's just like I, I definitely think of myself as an engineer first, um, given the small handful of projects 
I've had the privilege to voice in. Um, but yeah, it's mostly been audio drama. Um, there was like, I did this project for Lockheed Martin where they hired me to do music and then they, they later decided that they needed like someone over like a CB radio and I just kind of like jumped in and did that too. But, um, yeah, that's, that's been the extent of my voice acting as I can recall so far. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I, I now I will say I have definitely been there where it's like, oh, I can't get someone for that character. I'll just do it myself. And that was that was a good good exercise for me to be able to expand my range and try out different characters and such. So that can be really fun. But sometimes uh it can be it can be both cool to just be able to do something that you didn't think you could do before, but also it's like, yeah, that kind of helps me from a production standpoint, which that's another reason why I like doing audio dramas rather than uh, do short films because I can't I can't play five different characters because people are going to recognize me uh, on screen. But hearing me do five different voices, like yeah, yeah, you 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 uh, you may not know that was me unless you read the credits. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, like they totally like can't see your face, like mustache disguise, glasses with bushy eyebrows, like. You don't have to do that with voices. That's that's the cool thing about it. Nope, nope, nope. My good sir, thank you once again for coming on to Voices That Cook. It's been an absolute blast talking to you, to, to you today. And where can the listeners of Voices That Cook follow you? Yeah, thanks, Will. Um, it's been a blast being on here. Um, I can be found primarily on Twitter is where I spend most of my, my time being visible. And my Twitter handle is at just Randy Greer. It's all, all one word, no underscores or crazy spelling. Um, and that's my main platform. I have an Instagram too, but I'm like barely on there. So if, if you guys want to follow me, catch me on Twitter. Gotcha, gotcha. And if you guys want to follow me, you're welcome to follow me on Instagram at the voice that cooks and on Inst- and on Twitter at voice that cooks. There we go. Uh, so please do follow along and also, of course, please do follow the show, especially if you enjoyed this episode and leave us a review and let us know what you thought of the show. If you can do that on the podcast app that you are listening to it on. So seriously, everyone, once again, thank you so much for listening to Voices That Cook. This has been a really fun show. Awesome after awesome after awesome time being able to interact with people that I've, I've really enjoyed talking to and really would love to work with and some I have worked with and of course I see their food and I'm like I want I want a bite I want to know how it's made I want to know everything <laughs> and uh it's just yeah whenever whenever if you're a voice actor and you post a really delicious meal do not be surprised if I have your name down like ooh I could see if this person would like to be on the show <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird, but it's true. It's 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 a good way. It's actually a very easy way for me to know whether or not maybe someone would be because you because you never know sometimes if someone would be like, um, oh, you'd be great to be on the have on the show, and they're like, I've never cooked before, or I rarely do it, or I hate cooking. Oh, okay, well, I figured I'd ask. At least by then, it's like, okay, you like to cook. If you share off a lot of uh, cooking pictures or that food that you shared looks really really good, it's like. Yay, yay. So any of you who are listening and you're like, I'd like to be a guest on the show and I've made this and I'd love to talk about this that I made, please share with us your photos. I'd love to see your photos. Share us your recipes. We'd love to hear about them. That would be a great way to uh, let that all be there and all that good stuff. But anywho, 
That is all we're going to do here. My stomach is growling. I need to have food now. But thank you once again, Randy, for being on the show. And I do not have an outro still, because fuck outros. May you all have a wonderful rest of your day. And thank you for listening to Voices That Cook.